Tandem Nomads, episode 48. I've always loved writing, but I've never, ever thought of myself as a writer. I just knew I wanted to get better at it. And, and so sure enough, you know, when you put yourself into the daily discipline of everything, I think, you, you do grow in that. The deeper you're willing to go, the more universal your story becomes. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, where inspiring expat partners from around the world share with you how they turn the challenges of relocation into great opportunities. So are you following your partner abroad for his or her career? Then Tandem Nomads is the place for you. Go to tandemnomads.com and sign up for the newsletter. Nomad Nation, before we go into the topic of this episode, I have a quick announcement for you. We are going to have a voice party very soon. A huge party on the Tandem Nomads podcast where we can hear and where you can share your voice with us. I really can't wait to celebrate with you this voice party where you can send me a little message and I will share it on Tandem Nomads for the 50th episode of Tandem Nomad. So for more details, stay put until the end of this episode. I will share all the information with you on how you can do that and celebrate with us and be part of this great voice party. Hello, Nomad Nation. This is Amel Delaghi, and today's episode is the second part of the interview with Marilyn Gardner. She has such an amazing journey that I really wanted to make sure that we understand all the different factors that led her to be where she is today. And last week, we saw her journey traveling from Pakistan, the US, and then back to Pakistan, Egypt, and now back to the US. She did it as a third culture child and then as an expat spouse being a nurse. Do you know how it's difficult for nurses to be able to travel and keep their jobs? And she has managed to do that by blending her multicultural experience with her nursing uh, background. And uh, she shares with us how she managed to do that. And I highly recommend you to go back to that episode if you haven't heard it. But today's episode, I wanted to focus on her writing experience. She has been a very successful blogger, but also writer. And she shares with us that experience experience in this episode, but also her repatriation experience that is by itself another challenge. So I'm really looking forward to uh, sharing this episode with you and uh, let's uh, dive in. As I think about this whole conversation in Tandem Nomads, I think that sometimes as nomads, we're not aware of what we're developing, you know, kind of urge people to take that step back and even if you need to start begin to write it down and think about these different things i think it's important and additionally to realizing how to blend your skills you've developed new skills too and maybe you had them and just exploded them more is the writing part because you added a, an additional aspect to your career is the writing so could you take us through that path how you insist a lot on you know stepping back looking at our skills and writing them down this is what you did but you also made it public and made a book out of it could you take us through that journey Yes, it was so unexpected and and such a gift. So in 2010, I go to Pakistan. I come back, and this has been such a rich experience. I had always wanted to work in refugee or displaced people situations. And here I got to go back to this place I absolutely love. 
and do that. When I returned, it was this, it was hollow because I didn't get to share it with anyone. You know, I didn't get to speak about it. There was, there was sort of this nothing. I went to work the following Monday after I returned and I, I, I just, I, I wanted to burst into tears. I thought this was so meaningful and, and it, it feels so hidden. So on, I think it was New Year's Day, I said to my daughter, I want to start a blog. Now, my daughter, my oldest daughter is, is amazing at social media. She's a fantastic writer. And she didn't laugh at me. She actually encouraged me and she gave me tips. She said, okay, mom, if you're going to do this, then you need to do it right. Don't go on blogger. You need to make it professional. She just gave me some really good tips. Wow. So I read up on it. And the next thing you know, I had produced my first blog post. And, you know, people read it, like, like more than my mom. And my mom's amazing. It was kind of fun to other people. Well, then, as I began writing more, I, would, I brought in this Pakistan experience. And there were many people from my past that were really interested in this. So there was this natural audience. But then you have to grow beyond that, right? Mm -hmm. I couldn't write about these this time in Pakistan forever. What would this look like? But I just began, you know, doing this every single day. I wanted to be, I've always loved writing, but I've never, ever thought of myself as a writer. I just knew I wanted to get better at it. And, and so sure enough, you know, when you put yourself into the daily discipline of everything, I think, I mean, I wish I'd do that around exercising, but I don't actually. <laughs> and you, you do grow in that. Yeah. So then, you know, it began being wider read, really surprised me. And three years later, you know, I was kind of looking at it thinking, wow, this is, become something. I don't want to just lose this. So I began thinking about what might this look like if if it was a book, if I could if I could because what I did find is that my audience ended up being this global audience. I didn't set out for that to be the case. Uh, but I ended up writing a blog post that really resonated with third culture kids. And that sort of put me on the map, mm -hmm. if you will. What was the title of that blog? It was called Saudage. Saudage. Right. So it was called Saudage, a word for the third culture kid. Okay. And as, as sometimes happens, you know, social media is so fickle mm -hmm. and blogging is so fickle. I think I spent about 10 minutes writing that piece. But I found, my husband found this word, Saudage, It's a, it's a Portuguese word, and it, was, it came from the diaspora, I believe, in the 12th century. And it's a wistful longing for what no longer exists. And so my husband comes home and he says, I have a word for you. And he tells me about this word. And I just looked at him and I said, yes, that's my word. Oh. And that night I write this blog post And evidently, you know, it resonated with many of us that, you know, this saudage, this wistful longing. But if you're really honest with yourself, what you're longing for no longer exists. And so I just wrote about this and my feelings toward it. 
And and so that sort of put me on the map in terms of a third culture kid or expatriate audience. Absolutely so I be fascinating. Well, yeah, is, is it, your blog post still up there? It is. It oh, is yeah. actually. I'm going to share it on the show note page of this episode. So I'll oh, put I the link. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> it's actually in the book as well, but I've continued to make it public on the blog just because it it did resonate and and because it, it feels like it's because of that that I kind of thought, okay, maybe maybe I have something in this. And so then I began to think, okay, well, m what might a book look like, you know, that came up with the title Between Worlds, thought, okay, I'd want it on sections. And, you know, I look back on it and I think there's so many things I would do differently. And I'm actually in the place of writing, um, I'm in the editing process of my second book. And it's a, it's much harder because it's not blog posts that were mm. already written and just needed to be edited and put together cohesively. Uh, this is uh, just a really personal, more memoir mm -hmm. style. And so, uh, and so it's, that's, that's much more difficult. I'm having, I am, I'm having fun with it. In fact, just today, earlier, I was working on it on, you know, the, uh, I got it back from the editor and now I'm reviewing wow. all that. Whole so process. your second book is ready to be out soon. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And that I am excited about because it's much more, more about Pakistan. There's a lot more about Pakistan. and uh, So I'm excited about that one as well. I also feel really invested. Like the first one felt like such a surprise. It's like, well, maybe no one will read it, but I'm excited anyway. Mm. And then people actually did. And uh, at least some people did. But this one feels much more personal and, and, and like I've really invested in it. Yeah. So it feels a bit scarier. Yeah, Marilyn, there's so many, your story is just so inspiring and there's a lot of spiritual and inspiring uh, words and, and, and things that you're sharing with us here. And um, I hope, Nomad Nation, that you're really embracing all of this. I, w I just want to maybe... Um, highlight some factual things that I think have been useful to you. Uh, I loved when you said how you've been disciplined about writing and that must have been what made you successful at the end, the discipline that you've been putting into it. Absolutely. Although I will say that it was like once I started writing, it was like something exploded inside me. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, so every single day I found something to write about. Uh, what, yeah, the discipline piece was huge. So one thing about me, I, I am not a disciplined person. I don't think I've ever done anything in my life every single day. But when I committed to writing, I really did. That first year, whether I posted or not, I wrote every single day mm -hmm. and sometimes twice a day. It was like, I was just so determined and it taught me something about myself and I, I wish I would I wish I would translate it to other things in my life actually. <laughs> so this is a good conversation to have. <laughs> because, but but definitely but I remember after a year 
of blogging where I, I kind of did, did this confessional blog post and I said, I need to let you in on a secret to the audience. I have never done anything every day of my life. And this I did. I did it every day. So it did not come naturally. I feel like I so benefited from it. I do feel like I'm in a different place writing now mm-hmm. where because it was so public, I, I needed to take a step back and say, okay, this has been so public. I need to start writing in private a bit. I need to realize that that everything, that some of my inspiration is, is not going to come anymore. I still do the discipline of writing every day, mm-hmm. but I, I don't make it public like I did. Oh, I think I needed to, yeah. I needed to that first bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have done it. It was almost like this invisible audience that I didn't even really have for a while, <laughs> but I thought I had it, uh, was this impetus. Yeah. You know, so it was, I mean, this is so, this is so <laughs> terrible. I'm realizing how ego-driven this was. Oh, no. <laughs> but it was, it was like, oh, this invisible audience will be waiting for me, you know. And so at least it got me writing uh, yeah. and, and really instilled in me the discipline. Oh, it's really great what you're saying here. Because, you know, the, the, the whole discipline thing, I, I believe that it's really important to reach success in general. And success is not just about money. It's about well-being. It's about, yes. you know, re- reaching our fulfillment and we have to commit to what we want to achieve in our lives. And you did commit to that by implementing that discipline of writing every day. It can be something else for other people. In my case, Tandem Nomads would have never existed if I didn't commit to wake up every morning at 5.30 and go for a run and clear my head. And I think that has helped me tremendously in clearing my head from all the things of the day that will, you know, stopping me from making tandem nomads happen so i think discipline is really a key that we haven't mentioned a lot in tandem nomads before and i'm very happy that you brought it up here um it can be anything not just writing but just committing at the end of the day you did commit to your goal this is very important i'm I'm actually sitting here just nodding my head i wish (laughs) you could see me nodding my head yeah and thank you so much for bringing that up and there's another message that's very important for me to share through the episodes of tandem nomads is embracing technology and you did it you know you did embrace technology by accepting to blog and learn about it learn how to blog your daughter was there to help you and you just went out there and didn't resist much today you're realizing you also want to write less publicly but the step you took to start blogging and sharing your story online has made you and took you where you are today absolutely I would not have, I mean, I would not have met you, I would not have oh, met no. families in global transition without it all of these things were absolutely through technology and through saying, okay, I may be in my fifth decade, but <laughs> I, can, I can learn about this. And, and oh, it was so funny. One of the first things that I did was, you know, I had read that links are good. What I didn't realize that I, I was linking to only like WordPress things mm-hmm. initially. And my daughter, after I think a couple months said, um, mom, you know, about that professional piece, you might want to take out some of those links. All they do, no, Wikipedia, 
They took people to Wikipedia. Uh, Every single link. Was uh, I was wondering. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was too funny. Uh, so. So interesting. You should come back to Town Nomads, make us a workshop on how to blog. <laughs> oh, I did learn a lot. I really learned a lot. So is there any tips you would give us um, and give Tandem Nomads and other expat spouses who want to build their presence online? Uh, what made you suddenly have so much exposure online? Right. So, so honestly, I think it's just being regularly out there. I think that, you know, you know um, one of the things that happened for me was WordPress. I use the WordPress platform, and I really highly recommend it. One of the things that happens in the WordPress platform is they do something called Freshly Pressed. And it's of their, you know, millions of bloggers out there. They highlight 12 blogs a day that, you know, that they find. Well, somehow they found one of mine. Mm. And so they call it freshly pressed. And so suddenly I was getting this. It was in the middle of the uprising in Cairo. My daughter was there and I had written about it. And so there was. it was very relevant for the day. Mm. And I suddenly got complete strangers reading. But what I found, and that was incredibly exciting. But what I found was as exciting was, as it was to get freshly pressed, the more I wrote the more I would end up finding things that resonated with people. And so how much more exciting was it when, without being freshly pressed, readers would come because they were really interested because you, you tapped into something. I read something interesting recently. It was the deeper you're willing to go, the more universal your story becomes. And that's not a Maryland original at all. It's very nice. But I love that. And I've thought about that as I think about blogging, as I think about writing this new book. The, the deeper I'm willing to go, the more universal my story can become. And I would say that. I would say that definitely about blogging. But I would also say about social media, it, it can be such a gift to those of us who have lived all over. I don't think, I'm, I'm not worried, honestly, about us living online and having our friendships only online at all. I don't think that certainly hasn't happened with me. And I don't know other, you know, global nomads where, who, who just have this presence online and nothing else. I think of everyone, we know how to use it in the best way possible because we know how to bring people together that are from these divergent oh, yeah. th these divergent worlds that we live in and we bring them together so suddenly i'll be connecting someone who's living in the uk with someone who's living in canada with someone who's living in you know portugal and this co these connections happen so yeah. so and, and then the fun thing also is when you get to meet them in person and so of course yeah like uh, us <laughs> yes exactly it's so cool yeah, and now i'm gonna explain a bit the story because i realized i didn't introduce it in the beginning is that nomad nation have met marilyn in amsterdam at the fidt conference which is families in global transition conference which i highly highly recommend to anybody who's interested in living abroad uh, it's a fascinating conference and we have met through 
I would have never met you, Marilyn, if I wasn't online and following FIGT for so long. I was so thrilled. And then we sat together during that one session. Yeah, it was that amazing. Was amazing. So, 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 yeah, I think that we know how to use it in these amazing ways and to make these relationships matter, not at the expense of our in real life people, but instead to enhance all of that. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah, I'm 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 so happy that you brought up that because there's still a bit of resistance. I was just talking about it last week with some um, some friends regarding social media, and at the end of the day, it brings more positive things than it harms. And whatever we don't want to be out there, we're in control of it. You know, I don't believe that we're not in control of what we put online. It's our choice to have a private life or not, and we should respect it. Uh, but once we decide to be there, we can still control what we're putting there. You know, so true, so true. I rarely will post things about my kids. When I do, I ask them. Uh, I do, I do, I have written about their birds mm -hmm. because, you know, so, because that, that has been a big thing, but that was when they were younger and they were all fine with that. <laughs> but yeah, you, you pick what you choose and you're absolutely right. It doesn't have to be at the expense of everything yeah. being Yeah, thank you so much again for that. And, you know, we, uh, we still want to know more about your repatriation experience because that's something that a lot of us might have to face with one day. Can you take us to your time when we had to come back to the U.S. and realize that this is your country? How did it go for you? Oh, such a good question. You know, even the question takes me back to really difficult days. Uh, we left this, the warmth and palm trees and the call to prayer of Egypt, and we came to a country that for me felt cold. It felt, uh, you know, for all the, the beauty in this area, it was so unfamiliar to me. Uh, we went into winter for the first time. I didn't know how to dress in winter. So besides just the emotional, there was the practical. Mm. I, it was a difficult time. I, 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 I don't know that I'm even the right person because I feel like I did it so poorly. I, I wish... What would you do again if you had to do right, it again? So great question. I, I would, I would try and find places to plug in, and try and, and merge those two worlds quicker mm -hmm. than I was able. Now I say that, but I moved to a part of the country where change is not something that's easy for people. I will still meet people all the time in this area, not in Boston and Cambridge itself, but more outside of the area, but still in Massachusetts. People came on the Mayflower boat. That's how far their family generations mm -hmm. go back. I've never lived in a place where people don't realize they have a culture. You'll, you'll talk to people and they say, no, no, other people have a culture, but I don't. So some of those things were naturally going to be difficult for me. 
I, I think living in the small town that we lived in was not the, <laughs> the best idea. But even then, you know, all of these things feel like, okay, they happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, if we hadn't lived there, then some of our best friends we wouldn't have met uh, who really did embrace us and, and who really did listen and uh, remove some of the obstacles of belonging. Mm. Whenever I went to this friend's house, I felt like I belonged, even though our we had so many differences in our backgrounds. So I, what would I say to people? Oh, don't be my, like me. <laughs> don't be like me. You know, uh, be... Be more willing to to accept your current reality. Mm-hmm. Were you resisting? I really was. Mm, that's, I really was. yeah. That's I actually the case in here. both. That's often the case of difficult integration, be it at home or abroad. As yes. soon as we resist, um, there's more obstacles that come up to us. Absolutely. As soon as you, no matter, and you're absolutely right. No matter where you are. The interesting thing was I met people who were like me in Egypt mm-hmm. who were from other countries and, and just could not adjust. And I would look at them with pity. Mm-hmm. And then here a few years later, I was doing the same. Mm-hmm. But in this, in this country where I legally belonged. But my so heart what did you did do to what did you do to pass, go past that and, and start to feel like you belong? I moved to Phoenix. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I, I'm serious. You know, for all the people love Boston, for me, I arrived, oh, I it was 122 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, so the weather was important for you. Yes. And oh. I arrived and there were palm trees and there was heat. And I thought, I, I'm okay. I mm. can, I can breathe. I can live. I can, I don't have to try so hard. So it was so interesting. But culturally, you'd still find it easier in Phoenix and Boston? Isn't that odd? I, I don't know about Phoenix, but at least, at least my, my image of it, because I was in Tucson and the perception I have, is not such an international place. Oh, I think and Boston is right. And Boston is right? at least more than Phoenix. So how come, how come you could belong more? <laughs> You know, it was close to Mexico. We got over the international border. Oh. Uh, we had a lot of friends that were... Uh, I worked with Navajo and Hopi tribes. And so that was a whole other thing for me. And a lot... I worked with a lot of people from Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so and so I did have that. Whereas my colleagues in, uh, in Boston at the time were born and and raised in this area. Now, see, that's completely different now. Now, you know, I'm in Cambridge, and I, you know, on the way, I mean, on the on the subway, I see people from all over the world. I have this. I'm involved with some projects in the Muslim community that are just incredible. Um, yeah, so it's so. It's so different. Mm. But isn't that funny that this place that, that yeah, on the surface would look like it would not be a fit? And people even said that to us before we left. They were like, Phoenix, are you kidding? We, we just ended up making such good friends. People were 
were really friendly. Oh, people are very friendly yeah, so there. They're very friendly, that's for sure. But, yeah, so yeah. I don't know. Interesting. But why? It, was it like conscious, consciously you knew you would feel better in Phoenix? Was it the weather or something else? I think there, I think you're absolutely right. I think there was a visceral response to the weather. Okay. And I think with that visceral response, I physically relaxed. Hmm. And, and people underestimate that. This is like the third interview I have. And I'm realizing it's amazing how much I'm learning through all these interviews, how weather has an impact on people. Yes. It's huge. And we should not underestimate. So it's important to not think that it's like a secondary thing because we adapt all the time. But our bodies sometimes do not accept certain things. And we must be aware of it and just listen to our bodies sometimes. That is so right. It, that is so right. And that, and you are absolutely right. That was what it was in Phoenix. It wasn't other things. It was that the weather was reminiscent of these places I loved mm. and these places where I fit. Interesting. And so somehow, and even to this day, I'm I'm sitting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what New York is like today, but I'm sitting in Cambridge and it's freezing. Mm. And, the you know, it's bright sunshine outside, but it's really cold. And, and my body doesn't respond to that, mm. you know. So even though there, there are these other things that I'm incredibly grateful for, in terms of my body feeling at home, that hasn't yet happened. Before we say goodbye, is there one um, last message you want to share? Briefly, you know, it's more. It. I think it would be to just repeat something I've said in the past, not necessarily on this show, but, but I think our journeying reality, is, our is connecting a multicultural past to a meaningful present, mm -hmm. and I think that's just it's 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 our journeying reality. In other words, it's something that we're continually doing, and I would say. That would be my kind of my final word is be okay with that. Be okay with that being being your reality that 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 sometimes it feels less like they connect, other times it feels more, but always it's in process. Wonderful. That's a beautiful message to end with. And uh, Nomad Nation, I would love you to check out uh, Marilyn's book. Could you tell us your book's title? Right, so it's called Between Worlds, Essays on Culture and Belonging. It's available at Amazon, at Barnes and Noble, at Books and Such, at uh, a few other places. And on Tandem Nomads, I will put the link on Amazon on this episode's page so that you can, you can get it directly on Amazon. Thank you. Here we so, go. And how can we find you? So you can find me at communicatingacrossboundariesblog.com and I write about the you know communicating across the boundaries of faith and culture. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Marilyn. This was such an inspiring discussion that we had together and uh, I'll see you soon. Thank you so much. This was really an honor. Nomad Nation, I hope that you were inspired by the story and these great insights that our guests shared with us today. We are going to have our 50th episode coming up very soon. Oh my god, I'm so excited about it because I don't think that I would have been able to 
you know, keep on doing all these episodes and working on them and connecting with all these amazing guests if it wasn't for you, if I didn't know that you were out there listening. Because of that, I wanted to thank you and also give you a chance to share your voice this time with us. Share your voice and join the 50th episode voice party. So this is what I'm offering to you. Send me a little audio of three to five minutes that you can record on your phone or on your computer via, for example, QuickTime Player. It's very easy to set up. So send it to me by email or via wetransfer.com, which is a great platform to send documents to the email connect at tandemnomads.com. And you just tell me in three to five minutes who you are and why you listen to Tandem Nomads, what you like about it, but also don't hesitate to share any extra insight you would like to share with us. And uh, if you have also a blog or a link you want to share, feel free. So uh, I'm so much looking forward to this, to our voice party together. We're going to collect all your messages and put them in the 50th episode of Tandem Nomads. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. And uh, do not hesitate to reach out and talk to you very soon.